0: We kick off our number 2 of the program Brought to you by the Knoxville TVA Employees Credit Union. Check them out online at tvacreditunion.com. It's the official credit union of three and out. I guess uh, I, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm happy they made the change in the second half and went with a different different offense. It It definitely showed that this team, you know, can score. You just have to feature other players. Like – the early offense they run features a big that can plant his guy at the restraining arc and score in the post. I mean, that's pretty much the whole point of what you're trying to do. Space mm-hmm. the floor. Um, either uh, Veskvi actually went and got the ball ahead of the pack so much on the wing one time that he went all the way to the basket. Kind of went up like he was going to shoot a reverse layup, but then you know didn't have an angle and kicked it out. But, I mean, either you're going to beat them down the floor for a layup like that or you're going to get the ball to your big guy right at the rim, and he's going to score. So, and that's something that, that's what Barnes has always run here, and I'm sure that will continue with more or less emphasis, depending on how good your bigs are. Like I don't, with the game on the line in the NCAA tournament, I don't even want to attempt that shot. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want Kamwa on the block with a guy in position behind him. You know, I, I'm afraid we'll just miss the shot even if we get, an get, you know, have that look. It's amazing to me that in the second half you went dribble drive, which is something Calipari, when he first came to Kentucky, ran a mm-hmm. crap ton mm-hmm. of because Kentucky has great athletes typically. They're really good at attacking the rim. It's amazing to me that Zakai Ziegler, Santiago Vescovi, and Jemai Meshack – made Kentucky look bad at times defending the dribble-drive offense. But I think that pretty much proves that the strength of this team is those guards. Like, you're, like when I, when I would sit down and, and you look at your roster before the season begins, right? Or usually it, you actually do it as soon as the previous season ends. You're like, who's going to be back next year? What do we got? How are we going to build the offense? And you do, like, your offseason planning. You look at your roster, and you're like, all right. At least this is the way I view offense. Same for football, too. It's like, all right, where do we have an advantage? Mm -hmm. We get to to decide in football who we hand it to, who we throw it to. In basketball, who shoots and where. And you look at it, and you're like, all right, where do we have an advantage on the floor? Well, like against Kentucky, you don't have an advantage in the post. No. Nowhere. I mean, she plays on one guy. He's – better he's better defensively than your guys offensively on this team
1: and it does not matter who that guy is yeah, he is just better doesn't yes, matter yes. every
0: time um at the other post spot you're even probably at best still not a great look all right so all right so poster out don't have an advantage there mm-hmm. hence why running some block remover and dribble drive where you sem- essentially just only allow the post to work if their guy helps is perfect all right, you have Zakai Ziegler as your point guard. Does he have an advantage on his guy? Most nights, yes. He's usually quicker than his guy. He's smaller, but he's definitely quicker. That's some, somewhere. So when he uses his quickness to break down the defense, that's where we create space and angles on offense. Now you go to your two guard, Santiago Vescovi. Is he able to beat his guy? A lot of times, yes. He scored 17 points and a mm-hmm. half. And and like Matt said, yeah, I mean that was that was an uh, that was an insane hot streak. Um shooting the ball from 3 Is he hot and cold sometimes? Sure, but all shooters are. I mean, he's he's a pretty good shooter from 3. That's an advantage. Like he can he can he can he, can, he also takes a lot of deeper threes, too, mm-hmm. which extends the defense. You have an advantage there. Um, you know, now you go to the to the next guy, you know, as it, it was it had to be Mayshack in this game because your other your five stars are out.
1: Would not have had that on the bingo card.
0: He's actually more athletic than his guys sometimes, and yeah, I'd say often was able to get was able to get by a, a, a Kentucky defender. I mean, imagine what he could do to some of these other guys um, at times. Not a huge advantage there, but I mean, Rick Barnes said it earlier in the season. He said we know teams are trying to stop Zakai and and Santi. Well, yeah, cuz those are your those are the only advantages you have on offense. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Key, the reason I think he struggles in games like this cuz when the athletes get better, he struggles to get his shot off. And when he and it, even when he's when I know Barnes is like you got to shoot when you're up and shoot when you're up and shoot, when, but he he's not as open against Kentucky right. as he is yeah. against Missouri or as he is against Mississippi State or as he is, I mean, For as bad as this Kentucky team has been at playing the basketball this year, they're still one of the most athletic teams in all college basketball. Yes, yes. So, really, your advantage on this team on offense is Zakai breaking down the defense. I mean, really, that's it. It's it's Vescovy. Then Vescovy, I think, is brilliant at if you can just give him a little space somehow. Like, if if he can get the ball with a little space already created – he will maximize it. He will either step back and create more and drain a 3, or he'll get an angle on somebody and force them to foul him, or he'll get an angle on his next guy and then somebody else has to help and then he makes a great decision passing the ball. I mean, that's it. Like you don't and here's the other problem. The guys that are superior athletically at their position are the two guys that are hurt, Julian Phillips, yes, and Triple J. Usually the people guarding them are either smaller or slower one or the other they're either smaller or slower but the problem is neither one of those guys are very skilled offensively so despite that their guy being slower or smaller, we can't take advantage of that advantage because just the way the guy you recruited that's not his strength mm-hmm now, I think there's more hope for Phillips, and we do call plays early in games, try and get Phillips to touch around the basket, and a lot of times he does get fouled or score.
1: Well, And we've talked about that. But and then I we don't do that enough. Right, more. exactly. Yeah, We it's like we do it early to, I, I, forgive the phrase, but it's like we dangle the carrot in front of him, like, hey, see, we're going to call stuff for you. And normally he scores or gets fouled and goes to the line. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, okay, we did it once, let's do it more. And then you don't see it again. And you mentioned this during the break. It is weird to me that we are to this point in the season, and we're still trying to feature Kamwa as Grant Williams. Like he has had flashes, right? He's had those games where you you see the potential, but he's not a consistent enough player. And uh, let's see where he go. He was three of nine, o of three from three.
0: Like, he shot an airball late, and I thought Rick Barnes was going to just walk out on the court and string.
1: <laughs> well, but uh, like that's the thing that we we run so much stuff for him. Like he probably thinks that that's a shot. I yeah. I mean, obviously you don't want to airball it. But it was
0: kind of desperation time, and I think it was just was it a, was it a three? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trailing three, we weren't going to win anyway. The game was over, but it was it was kind of like the last possession where you at least still wanted to try mm. to score. Yeah. And he got kicked back to him at the top of the key, and he just pulled it and just airballed it right out of bounds. I was like, all right, that's a good punctuation mark on this, this whole thing.
1: It's almost like, and I'm, I mean, hell, I've, I've watched every game but one now. I still don't know on a given night what I would do offensively. Because you, you mentioned the 27 points against Texas. Like, oh, well, if, if that's the come while you're going to get, sure, feature him, go. But depending on the matchup, it's not that simple. And it feels like when we get into our second idea or third idea, it's, it's like it just gets worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. as far as what we want to do offensively.
0: It's crazy. It how- feels like
1: we scramble. I mean, it's, it sounds like we scrambled for an entire half and then scrapped it and said, hey, we're doing something completely different
0: and it worked. in the second half. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. It's crazy. 7-0 run, they had to take a timeout right out of the gate. And I and I get that part of it is, you know, they're up 20. Yeah. We're down. I mean, we come out playing super you know, really hard and they came out a little lax. But still. I mean, just unreal. Oh, uh, back to the big philly phone lines. Let's get D R Vall and get his thoughts. What's up, D R you're on three and out?
2: Good morning, Nate. Houston, my lord. How are y'all?
0: My lord. Good
1: to see you, my lord.
2: You know, y'all talking about the fans being divided. I I thought about that after the uh Big L, we took to Kentucky because, you know, after we beat Alabama, I guess I consider myself in the Barnes Bashers. I don't want him fired. I just want to change. I guess I want him retired, I guess. But
1: (laughs) I I don't want to fire him. I just want him out of here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, give him a severance package, I guess. I guess I just want to see what else we could do. You know, after the Bama game, the number one thing you saw on Twitter and uh, Facebook was, where's the Barnes Bashers at now? But then when we lose, those people don't ask that question. Like, I got a friend, uh, Listener Jordan. He's, we've got a mutual friend. He's a known dullard named Leland. But, you know, he, he <laughs> messaged us wanting to know, are we still firing Barnes now? which i have never said fire Barnes. But then we don't get asked that when we lose. Uh, like it, I know, it's all narrative driven because I do it as well. You know, uh, it's like I, I'm happy to be wrong, but it's amazing how divided we are because of response.
0: It really is. I mean, I. But I think Chris said it best. The team is like creates that by their inconsistency of play. Exactly.
1: Well, you always talk about floor and ceiling, and yeah. I don't recall a team. I think in any sport,
0: with a lower floor and higher. You know. Well,
1: and it's weird too because you look at some of the big. Did I see we have more quad two losses than any other team in the top twenty five? Mm-hmm. But then you look at <laughs> we have one top twenty five loss. We've beaten all the other ones. Like you beat Bama, you beat Kansas, you beat Maryland,
0: you beat Texas.
1: Yeah, you beat Texas. You lost to Arizona, but you didn't. You didn't embarrass yourself at Arizona, but
0: then. You get swept by but Kentucky. But I've been told this is just college basketball, Crest that Tennessee and their ups and downs are just the same as everybody in college basketball. But then you look at a stat like that, and you're like, no, it's not. We are worse than the good teams at their worst. It's just true. And if people can't admit that, I'm sorry. Are we good when we're good? Yeah. But we're really bad when we're bad. We're actually worse than all the other top 25 teams at losing to bad teams.
2: Well, wasn't there a stat earlier, guys? I don't remember what it was. I don't remember if we were the only like top five or top ten team that had a quad two loss. Y'all remember that?
0: No, I, I... Well, yeah, but now we're the only top 25 team with this many quad
1: two losses. No, yeah. but I do think... I think all the other teams in the top ten, and it may have changed over the weekend, but I think we were the only team with... It may have been multiple quad two losses.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe that was it. I think
1: there were a couple teams that had one, but we have now five.
2: It says we have six losses to sub-35 net teams, <sighs> which means UT has, has now has two more losses to sub-35 net teams than literally every other school in the current top 25. Yeah, two yeah. more. Two
1: more, yeah. Two more, yeah.
2: And y- y'all tell me if this is a dumb argument. You know, the number one thing when I argue with people, it's mostly Facebook. Cause you know how those people are. <laughs> but it is, you can't blame Barnes. You can't blame Barnes. It's on the players. But th- this is what I always say then. Okay, then don't uh, – the good that we did in football this year, don't put that on high ball. He didn't throw those touchdown passes. He didn't catch five touchdowns against Alabama. You could easily argue that both ways, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, he didn't even bring in Hinden Hooker. I'll give Hinden Hooker all the credit. Josh Heupel's probably a crappy coach, just got lucky with Hinton Hooker. Well, yeah, Thanks, makes, Jeremy. That makes no sense, DR. Exactly. You just you just proved that they are wrong when they talk about basketball. Like, that's stupid. Like, oh, well, if Jeremy Pruitt just stuck around and and got to Hinden Hooker season this year, he'd had the same success as, as Josh Heupel. We all know that's baloney. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but, again, that's
2: how those people are. But... It's always good to talk to y'all. You know, the the narrative on uh, Twitter is that y'all are happy with the (laughs) losses. I don't see that. Uh, I think y'all are just doing y'all's job, people.
0: Chris came in today and was like, I don't even want to be here. Like, it's President's Day. We should have just used that excuse to not do the show. This sucks. You think we enjoy talking about this slop? No. God. (laughs) Slop.
2: (laughs) Uh, Here's a question I'll get off here, guys. It really does make me want to go back when the last few. Years of Barnes at Texas is this kind of what their fans went through and what they felt? Because I know when we hired Barnes, I remember seeing it on Twitter like, "You're not going to like him after a few years." And I'll uh, hang up with list i that guy.
1: Thanks for the call. I would imagine it's very, very similar. Yeah, it's those high potential teams that do things earlier in the season that make you think, "Okay, this is this is it. This is the team," and then. I don't know if they get figured out or if they don't continue to evolve as the season goes on, but then yes, all of a sudden you you get just duds
0: and then and then he started getting worse yeah. like the the teams weren't like let's say this team gets a three seed four seed whatever those Texas teams he started getting sevens and eights mm-hmm. and and then he started losing in the first round of so the second round and that was that was all she wrote. We'll come back with more. If you want to weigh in, 865-546-8200 on the Big Orange Philly phone line. Stick with us right here on 3 and Out. Spend my dollar, a Moonlight, hold her Hour 2 continues. Break breaking on down this basketball game. So let's talk about the end of the half Chris we're stuck on 19 points there was a there was a situation where Kentucky's at the line and there's less than there's less than the shot clock time in the game so you know like when you get the rebound you're gonna hold for the last shot right mm-hmm. yes and I'm like screaming at the TV like sub in your best offensive guys. I'm like, put – all right, so so Awaka fouled a guy on the U.K. logo with 29 seconds left in the half. Sure. Now, now to be fair, it was a loose ball. He dove for okay, it okay. and dove in the guy's knee, actually. surprised he didn't tear something up, but it looked bad at first. But anyway, there's 29 seconds left. Kentucky shooting free throws. So I'm screaming at the TV, put in offense. Like, this should be your best offensive lineup. You're going to hold for the last shot. Well, we did actually put Zakai back in the game, which I was happy about that. Mm-hmm. That, that did show some situational awareness. Um, still two fouls for him at this point? Still two fouls, yeah. Okay. But we left in Plovsic and Iwaka.
1: Great rebounders.
0: Like is, I mean, is that who we want in the game as we try and score? Calipari is bringing guys off the bench that are having to take off their yeah. warm-ups because he knows. like All I care about is defense here. They're, Tennessee's going to hold for the last shot. How much time? Twenty nine. Okay. Now, Rick Barnes doesn't. I mean, it was out of a free throw, so maybe he just knew what we we're gonna run anyway. But he has a waste timeout. Basically, he made the decision there not to take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we're gonna hold for the last shot, shoot it, and you're just not. You're just taking that timeout to the locker room. But as we set the play, which is. I mean, the play we were going to run, okay? This was the play we were going to run as we hold for the last shot, 29 seconds, was we got Vescovy and Key in the corners. Okay. That makes sense. We got a walk-up backside short corner. Okay. As far out of the way as possible. And we got Plavsic come setting the ball screen for Ziegler. Up high. Got it. Yep, that was the ball screen. So, Or that was the play. So, uh, Ziegler gets fouled. Hip check. Your hand check. Mm-hmm. Goes to the line for one and one. He misses the free throw. Owaka catches the rebound like a 21-tip shot Yep, off the backboard, no rim. Kentucky gets the rebound. We foul him, too. So now Kentucky's shooting free throws with 4.9 seconds to go. And uh, after they make their second one, then we call our timeout. And it's Captain Touchback saying it's almost like Barnes is trolling us at that point. To, you know, set up a play. 4.9. Yeah. Uh, we passed the ball to Plovzic. He took a dribble. I'm sorry? Yeah. So a 4.9, length of the floor to go.
1: We inbound to Plovzic who then dribbles?
0: Why is Plovzic in the game with 4.9 seconds to go in the first half?
1: Well, when you said it at 29, I thought you were actually talking about this point. But with 29, I'm like, okay, rebound, put back, that made sense. But no, with no with five seconds, no, you don't know. Length it's of the point- floor, five seconds. And
0: Unless he's, he's throwing it in. He's not throwing it in. And you might say, well, maybe you're going to throw it like high to him around mid-court or whatever or something. Yeah. No, he,
1: like a catch, give, and go off of, yeah.
0: This is where Plavsic caught the ball at 4.9 seconds. Your own free throw line extended. Shack was throwing it in. Plavsic even dribbles. Great idea. 4.9. That's a shot we got off. Almost almost banked it. <laughs> almost banked it in. We threw the ball to Plavsic. It hit the rim. At, it was better than the layup. You know. uh, we threw the ball to Plavsic at the free throw line extended. With Mays- Mayshack uncovered, he took a dribble and then kicked it back to him. Then Mayshack dribbled up the floor and launched a desperation three-pointer right in the guy's face from the Kentucky logo, and it banked off the backboard and rim, and that was the half. And even the play with 4.9 was to throw the ball to Plavsic, have him hit Zakai on what we call the slice cut. like that diagonal across the floor. Mm-hmm. But Plavsic guy was smart. He sagged off him so bad that we couldn't throw it to Ziegler. Because, like, why would you guard Plavsic 80 feet from the basket? You don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zakai and Vescovy were just supposed to just run to the corners. That was the play. The play was to get the ball in. To Plavstic, have him kick it to Ziegler, going to the basket, and have those two guys spacing out in the corners. Like we've got to become more imaginative with the stuff. Or mm. like, like you're just never. I mean, it's it's gonna take your guy making like a like a like a Herculean play to score. Yes, I'm honestly shocked we scored as many points in the second half as we did, because I don't feel like like I don't feel like Vescovy has that big of an advantage on the Kentucky guy guarding I'm about, no, I'm about to see well, that. Well, you
1: got to think, too, with that big of a lead, Kentucky's probably yeah, – they're not digging in defensively.
0: Right. Uh, 22. Yeah. So, like, Vescovy's – Kaysen Wallace is on Vescovy. Mm-hmm. And Vescovy's just taking him to school. I mean, it's insane. Like, I, like that shocked me more, I think, than our inability to score. Because I've seen that, that before. Would,
1: it would shock me a lot more if it was a, a tight game and that's happening. Or, right. if we, like, if we had the lead and that was happening. So I'm wondering if that's a little bit of Calipari saying, "Hey, just you know, focus on not fouling." And uh, he did hit some sh- tough shots, but I-, I-, I don't know.
0: Meshack hits a jump hook in the lane to score our first bucket of the second half. On uh, who was that? He's actually
1: not terrible with that shot.
0: No, he. That's what I think frustrates me more. Like, what if? If Jemai Meshack was at Alabama, what if he was scoring fourteen points a game mm. and shutting guys down on defense? But because he's here, the offense isn't built to score for anybody to score. <laughs> what if Julian Phillips is almost as good as Brandon Miller on offense if he had gone through the Alabama plan? Yeah. And before you say, "Oh, Nate, you're crazy," okay, how much better were offensive players under Josh Heupel than they were under Jeremy Pruitt? Because essentially, like. That sort of stuff does happen.
1: Ooh. That's a real that, that's a really good example. Like, seeing what the same players in a completely different system can do and yeah. looking at Heupel and, like, players in year one and year two who just exploded. Like, what did Cedric Tillman do before Josh Heupel got here? Nothing.
0: Not a damn thing.
1: Like, one touchdown.
0: And before people get all the, oh, well, Nate's comparing Rick Barnes to Jeremy Pruitt. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, that sort of stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And Rick Barnes is excellent at building the foundation of your work ethic in the program, at getting in high-character kids that will play hard night in, night out. He gets them to buy in to the team culture. You know, I I don't mean to always make fun of him. I mean, when he says, you know, the guys need to be connected and da-da-da, like, all of that stuff matters. And it's why Tennessee, you know, was the 10th ranked team in the country before the game. It's also why they are able to beat Alabama, and it's why they're so good on defense. There's just there's just some other stuff. Like, he's so good at those things, it makes some people get angry when you criticize things he's really bad at. No, but, I, th- I think that's a big part of it. But a team kind of takes on the personality of their coach. Mm-hmm. And while this team is really, really good at certain things, they're really, really bad at other things, and I think that's kind of how Rick Barnes is a basketball coach. I mean, I don't think any other coach in America is able to push Grant, Admiral, Bone, and that crew, Bowden, to ex- to, to be as disciplined on themselves than Rick Barnes. Like, Rick Barnes is the only coach that those kids bought into that whole thing and didn't wouldn't have quit on. Yeah. He pulled that off perfectly. I mean, he runs he runs that balance between be, between being disciplinarian and like, you know, dad. Pep Rick, yeah. Yeah. And he does that perfectly. But some of the some of the actual like schematic coaching he struggles with. And I don't know if he's always struggled with that or if it's more lately or or what, but I, I actually – I messaged uh, Billy Stats I said, whichever assistant coach put in the dribble drive this and convinced Rick Barnes to actually try and run it this mm. year, give that guy a raise. It's probably an NBA guy, right? Like, uh, what's his name? Who had the scout for Alabama and did such a great job. I
1: keep wanting to say Kaminsky, but it's not Kaminsky. Kalinsky. He had the scout for Bama. I think it's Kalinsky.
0: I mean – it's tough to try and get the feel of the first half because when you watch a highlight package, like, they're just going to skip over all the bad possessions where we didn't score in the first sure, half. Sure, sure. But at some point today, watch, like, the long – on YouTube there's, like, a 30-minute highlight thing. I,
1: I mean, I have it recorded. Okay.
0: Well, you, okay. Well, you can – watch the first half. You're telling me to watch this game? Watch the first half okay. in its entirety.
1: You want me to watch the whole first half?
0: And then you can just watch the highlights in the I second. I mean Brett's half. Brett's back there shaking his head. Like I don't know if I I mean you don't have to. I'm just saying if you want to feel it, if you want to know. And then just watch the second half highlights, because we scored in the second half, and you can watch us. I mean, look at this. I mean, this is the offense. Look how look where our bigs are standing. They're not in the short that I call that the like the half corner. I mm-hmm. think the short corner. They're halfway to being out of bounds. And they're just chilling. And we're playing three on three. That looks a little Bama esque. And our three were better than their three Mm -hmm. for a lot of the second half. It's crazy. And guess who else runs that style? Virginia. Hmm. And they allow allow their bigs to move around a little more and have more rules about when they screen and when they duck in, all that stuff. But, I mean, it complements their great defensive team really well. But that's the thing. Like, I don't know, we'll talk more about it. But, uh, like, the whole we have an identity crisis only on offense, not on defense, just offense. Our two rolls on. It's a love hate with this team. Just showed Cress example of our dribble drive. Just, you know, attack, kick, attack, kick, attack, kick to Zakai for three. Money.
1: Here's my question for you. Yeah. This team's 20 and seven, uh-huh. nine and five in the conference. Yep. When you look at this roster, just personnel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you could give this team to the top ten coaches in college basketball, obviously this is a simulation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do we think most of the? Uh, and again, I'm saying top ten coaches. So the, the the best minds, you know, you give them to to Tony Bennett, right? You give them to I don't know if you consider Cal a top ten coach. Some would, some you know. Anyway, the, the your top ten coaches. you, you want to pick, you sure. give them this team. Are the is the average record better or worse than twenty and seven, nine and five in conference?
0: In a weird way, I think you probably lose to Kansas or Texas or Alabama. Maybe two out of those three. Mm-hmm. But I bet you beat at least two out of the th- out of the five terrible teams you've lost to. And I think that's maybe the most frustrating thing. No, no,
1: that that's exactly what I was getting at. Because I I look at this team, and I like I like this team.
0: Yeah, such good know, dudes.
1: It, yes, and that's part of that's part of what Rick Barnes does. He recruits good guys, hard workers, good teammates.
0: I don't know that any other coach in America gets them to play harder than they play. Okay, or even or even as good a defense. Other coaches right. have different defensive philosophies. Sure, but. Like if you gave these guys to Tony Bennett at Virginia, the defense is gonna, it, it, the numbers are gonna be the same. They're gonna be the best defensive team in the country, and it's gonna, be, the defense is gonna be very similar. But if you give this group of guys to Tom Izzo or Nate Oates, the defense mm-hmm. is not gonna be as good as sure. it is under Rick Barnes. He gets the max effort. They are the most locked in out of any with Rick Barnes and any other coach. But they're definitely not the best offense that this these guys could be under Rick Barnes.
1: Well, again, that's part of what makes all this so frustrating. And that's why I asked the question the way I did. Because I d- I don't look at this team and again, college basketball's a little bit down overall this year. All the numbers kind of, you know, spell that out. Mm-hmm. But I I don't look at this team and think, "Man, that's that's one of the best teams in the country." And I'm just saying uh, as an eyeball look, not a right. I look at their record and who they play and how they play, but this team has some of. I mean, you might say that like Tennessee's best five wins. You you could probably argue that they are the best five wins for a team this season. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is: Are we overachieving against the good teams, or are we just severely underachieving against? The bad teams, like you know, losing two to Kentucky, uh, Missouri, Vanderbilt. I, I guess, like, I just don't know what the average of this team is, and that's what makes it so frustrating. I think that's what makes the conversations about it so hard. Is depending on your personality type, you're going to look and say, "Oh, well, they beat Alabama, and they beat Texas, and they beat Kansas." The potential is there. Look how good they can possibly be, and then some people say, "Yeah, but look how bad they can possibly be when they don't show up for the second time." Against Kentucky, when you lose at home to Missouri, when you lose the way they lost at Van. I, I, like, is Rick Barnes. Like, how would you say. Like, wh- what's the job he's done this year? Like, getting this team to 20 and 7 at this point, is that an A? A plus? Is it. Uh, we all want things to make sense, right? Mm -hmm. If this team was pretty good, but every time we faced a top 15 team, we, you know, we lost a close one, it would make sense. Like, okay, we kind of know how good we are. We're not top 15 good, but we're taking care of business against Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. We're not losing the bad games. Okay, I I kind of know where we are. If we get hot in March, maybe we can make a run. But with this team, it, it is complete opposite of making sense. And I don't know how to – like, you you ask two diehard Tennessee fans right now, what's this team going to do in March? One of them would tell you Final Four. The other would say we might lose in the first round. There is is no looking at this team and and having any idea. Like, everyone who argues back and forth on Twitter, like, you're both wrong because you don't know. You have no no no, no, idea which team is going to show up on a given night. You can't know because they don't know. It's impossible.
0: I know we've lost 4-6, and I know that offensively we're worse now than we were earlier in the season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And that's really frustrating. So I would think it's both. I think I think the team has overachieved earlier in the season, and I think now they're underachieving. And that's just been kind of a – like split the difference. I don't know. Like if you told me the team's going to be 20-7 and seven at this point in the year and that's the only number you gave me, I'd be like, okay, that's about what I expected. But the seven, uh, I would have – Picked maybe what six of the seven are are head scratchers. Yeah, I would have said, well, you might lose to Arizona and maybe one of the games against Kentucky. The rest, you probably mm-hmm. miss them all, right? You're probably yep. picking other losses out of the whole thing. Makes no sense. But the team is definitely. I mean, they're offensive efficient, and I know the conference schedule is, is somewhat hard. But the SEC is you know, pretty crappy this year anyway. Um, but you know, for the season. You're 67th in the country and offensive efficiency at 111.1. 1. Conference only, you're 105. Like you're six percentage or you're six points worse on offensive efficiency than uh, than you are. Oh, and by the way, you're now second in the conference on the defensive end. Um, I assume Alabama's past you now in conference play only. If that makes any sense.
1: I think you've said this Like, Don't before. you think the
0: team's playing worse now? And it's not because Phillips and Josiah are out. Like The same dudes are playing worse.
1: Is it possible that – because I, I think we both agree we don't find the offense very imaginative. We don't find it very cutting edge. Is it possible that our offense is so simple that we come into the season with a better understanding – at the beginning of the season, than any other team in college basketball. I, and we get figured out as the season goes on because we're not changing, we're not evolving, we're not adding new stuff Well, in large part. I mean, obviously the dribble yeah, drive stuff this weekend. I think you
0: boiled it down a little like too simple. Our original offense, our like, pinwheel motion, that's actually more complicated than other teams. But because we run it the same way every right, right, year, right. yeah, we probably are better at running our offense than other teams are at theirs. To begin the season. Mm-hmm. And then we ne- we don't run sets. We yeah. don't run quick hitters. They literally ran the 32 dribble drive every single possession of the entire second half. There's even a play with about two and a half to go where the brings about the four light like, coach. He wants to do something different. And he's like, Nope. He says something and they just they just go play. And it's great to have an offense that's just go play. That allows guys not to have to think and they just play basketball and they just play free and they're freer when they shoot. And I mean it's it's the Josh Heupel concept, right? And we scored a lot more points in the second half. But, like, you still have to blend that with some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And and the way we put together the stuff we do seems very haphazard. And it and it just has for the last few years. So, I, I don't know. We'll come back. Final segment. We'll get right back to the phone lines on the flip side. Stick with us on 3 three and out. Final segment, hour number two. Right back to the big Orange Philly phone lines we go. We got Lars up next. What's up, buddy? You're on three and out.
3: Good morning. Good Monday morning, gentlemen. How are you?
0: Good morning. Hanging
1: in there. How about you, bud? Yeah,
3: I feel that. I should be thinking about work. I'm thinking about Tennessee basketball. You know, <laughs> you know uh, just processing something. And uh, I want you guys to tell me if, uh, if I'm being outrageous. You know, I come out of the game uh, – and uh, initially, like a lot of people, I uh, was uh, overreactive, and I'm Googling college head coaches, right? And I'm I'm making the case to bring David Fisdale to Knoxville. That's how insane I am, right? <laughs> um, which is absurd. And then I see that uh, Rick Barnes has a $125 million buyout. and I'm immediately off of <laughs> off of the, the Fire Barnes trade, which is irrational to begin with. So this is this is my question. I'm honestly looking for the voice of common sense and all this. And this is kind of what I've reconciled. Tell me if I'm very wrong. I don't know the stats, but I would imagine just based on win percentages and everything that else goes into it, when it's all said and done, Rick Barnes is probably a hall of fame head coach, right? Yep. Okay. So that's check. Number one, the second thing with that would be, At some point, and I do not mean this with any disrespect to Rick Barnes. Actually, I've I've been accused of being a Barnes basher before. This is the most non-Barnes basher call I think I've ever made. But when it comes down to it, at some point, don't we just accept that his teams are what they are, the good and the bad? and know that this wave is going to last three, maybe four more years. And you enjoy it for what it is because for no other reason, we've learned the hard way in the past, you don't know what you're getting next or what you're not getting next. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm okay with being mediocre or having, you know, not meeting expectations. But the the other thing with this, and and this is where I'm asking my main question, is it possible? And I mean this with all due respect to this team because I actually think this type of team is very dangerous in the tournament despite Barnes underperforming in March is it possible that from the get-go this team was just sorely overrated and this really is what they are and who they are and we just have unrealistic expectations, not because only because we're fans, but because we were told to have unrealistic expectations. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think this team, and and this is what we were talking about, because you don't really know how good or bad they are, but you see flashes of both. And they won some really big games earlier in the year, and statistically, and you know, think whatever you want about statistic, statistics, but there was data to suggest that this was one of, if not the best Tennessee teams of all time. And yeah, maybe they were just playing above their heads for a while. Maybe teams have figured them out. Maybe this is more, because you know, what'd you say, Nate? We've lost four out of six. Yeah. So maybe maybe this is more of the average of what this team should have been. It's just very weird to me that instead of playing average basketball, we have these peaks and valleys of really great play and stuff like we saw, especially in the first half against Kentucky.
3: Oh, I'm with you entirely on that. Yeah, it's strange, and there have to be internal things going on. I'm not going to speculate as to what, because I have no idea. I'm not an insider. I'm just a fan. But I would imagine that any organization, whether it's business, I'm sure it's like this, and what you guys do, when, when there are certain things that are intangibly happening, the negative effects off the court or on the court, usually there's something happening inside. I will say this, for any silver lining, and I'm with you, um, is that, and I can't believe I'm going to be this optimistic about this, but at that time, that may have been the best Tennessee team. Mm-hmm. They're horribly inconsistent, but yep. at the time, they may have been the best Tennessee team and uh, I guess that's the hope to cling on to is that other teams better hope that that Tennessee team doesn't show up in March. Because if they do, things can get really weird. Not banking on it, but just trying to find a silver lining, talk myself into some good news on a Monday. Anyway, appreciate you guys.
1: Thanks, Lars. Appreciate Thanks it, man. Call.
0: Uh, I don't know I don't know. If we can just play the we overrated them beforehand. I mean, in 2020, you had the fifth best recruiting class in the country. 2021, you had the fifth best recruiting class in the country. Hmm. In 2022, you had the seventh best recruiting class in the country. i no, sorry, ninth best recruiting, recruiting class in the country. Like, I mean, don't, isn't it okay to expect <laughs> that team to be a top 10 team? But when some of those guys either aren't here anymore mm-hmm. or don't get to play here at all or play here a lot but are only good on defense and can't throw it in the ocean. Um, not to mention all the guys, like guys that regress while they're mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that should not happen. Like how—how how do guys get worse while they're here? It's the same dude. It's the same person. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, because we'd have to be like, oh well, yeah, Rick Barnes did such a great job coaching them their first year, but then he then he lost them after that. Like, there's 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 an element of. I do agree that there's an element of he gets the most out of kids, certain kids, certain times. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's some other negatives there, too. And both are happening at the same time, which is why you get this divided opinion. Because whichever way you want to focus on it, I mean, if you want to focus on beating Alabama, Texas, and Kansas, hey, we're overachieving. No one thought we could win those games. But if you want to focus on losing to Florida, Vanderbilt, Missouri then you can focus on that. And that and that's why that's why it's a divided situation at the moment. I think it says more about this team's inconsistency than it does about the fan base, really.
1: No, I do too. But you and you're, but with the inconsistency is going to come the Rick, the argument if, with the fan base.
0: If right, and if Rick Barnes was Tom Izzo and always had success, always overachieved in the tournament, then people wouldn't even they'd be like, "Yeah, well, this is what we do, you know. Yeah, if we drop the 4 seed, that's fine. We'll probably knock off the one anyway." Right but it's 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 that combo of two things that have people really nervous about mm-hmm. the end of the season. But I mean, you can't tell me that this team is playing you can't tell me this team's playing at the same level the last I mean, even the Auburn win. Like the Alabama game is the only game I feel like we've played well yep, in that's, since, that, since that's that's the Kater outlier. Yep. It's been 3 weeks since we have played well. Except for Alabama,
1: the number one team in the country,
0: and that it's just that's crazy. <laughs> the way it is, Whew. I, I I don't know what to do with that. Maybe I think I think maybe they are a little overrated at times, but I think they're definitely playing. They played way worse on Saturday, especially in the first half, than anyone would have ever expected. Mm-hmm. Hour three next. <laughs>